Hey, everybody, if you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com stuff right now, and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code STUFF, and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. Uh, this is Short Stuff. Uh, let's go. <laughs> Hey ho, let's go with the Habsburgs. Habs, <laughs> God, uh-huh. take two. Habsburg jaw. Yeah, the Habsburgs. Oh man, I hadn't <laughs> said it out loud until just now. We're in I big trouble. The Habsburgs jaw. I think the tendency is to want to say Habsburg with a P, but it's Habsburg. Yeah, with a B. Although in America we've added the P, and it's just so prevalent now, and we're America. That's what it is now. It's Habsburg. Yeah, with a B as in, boy, would you look at that jaw? <laughs> right. This is not to be confused. The Habsburg jaw is not to be confused with the Hellsberg jaw, which is what happens when you walk into a Hellsberg diamond store. Your jaw hits the floor <laughs> because the prices are so reasonable on really great jewelry. <laughs> oh, man. If you don't get a kickback on that. <laughs> I'll just see you next time and you've got the big... Uh, Love hate diamond rings like Radio <laughs> Raheem from Do the Right Thing. I want a love hate diamond grill. Oh, sweet. I wonder how that'd sound podcasting. Probably not great. Well, Hellsberg Diamonds, let's figure it out, you know? All right. So, who we're talking about are the Habsburgs, and they were a big ruling family in, uh, well, kind of all over the place in Europe uh, at the peak of their fame, I guess, or the peak of their rule they had. Austria, Hungary, Slovenia, Bohemia, Slovakia, Croatia, and a little bit of Italy, Romania, and Poland all under their purview. Yeah. Like not just their purview, under their thumb in their iron grip of this dynastic family that ruled these areas for hundreds of years. Yeah. I mean, up until 1918, it took the First World War to break up the Habsburg dynasty. Yeah, that's a long time. It really is because they originally came to power, Chuck, in I think the 13th century in in Germany when a guy named Rudolf I became the Roman German king, um, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at for sure. But sure. apparently he had a rival uh, in nearby Austria in the form of Autocar Il Premizel. Premizel. I'm going with Premizel. Yeah, it it feels like there should be another uh, vowel in there, but there's not. So That Y is doing like double or triple duty right there, but it's working. Well, anyway, we're going to call him Autocar. Autocar said, you know what? I don't really recognize you as the Roman German king, so we're going to be rivals, which really doesn't matter in this story beyond the fact that it drew Rudolf I's attention to Austria. And so when Autocar was killed— he kind of moved in and and set up shop and basically took over Austria. Yeah, and so that's where they got their start. And then for the next uh, century, basically, they really did a lot of uh, conquesting, conquering. (laughs) 
and they took over. I don't want to say something dumb in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's charming. Uh, they took over uh, the Tyrol, which is the place in the Alps that Austria and northern Italy shared in the thirteen mid thirteen hundreds. Yeah, and and also Chuck, where Utzi lived and died thousands of years That's earlier. Right, he I was he Uzi. was Tyrolean. And by the time the fifteen hundreds rolled around, is when they were really rolling. Uh, the Emperor Maximilian, or I guess future Emperor, married Charles the Bold's daughter Mary. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they had control of Burgundy and also a little cachet. Yeah. From what I understand, like that was that was a, an enormous move. So they were making all sorts of moves, right? They were making moves, uh, gaining and con- consolidating power through conquering, um, through marrying. Um, well, just basically those two things. But it was working for them big time. <laughs> I bet there was one more thing. Um, let's see. How would you do that? You would conquer things, you would marry people, and then you would uh, send, like, be known for sending really great thank you notes as follow-ups? Sure. That could that could definitely win you some friends. Yeah. Okay. That's what the third thing was. So here's the deal with this jaw, uh, because you saw the title of the episode and you've heard us say that a couple of times, mm-hmm. is they had a – they had jaws that would make Jay Leno blush. <laughs> If you looked up some of these folks, Joseph the First, Charles I of Spain, uh, Charles II, Leopold Wilhelm, they had this very, very prominent lower jaw. And uh, basically, people got together and studied this over the years, and we'll get a little bit more into why this happens. Uh-huh. And they said, we're just going to go ahead and name this the Habsburg jaw yeah. because it's so prevalent in this family line. Yep. And they did. That's why everybody calls it the Habsburg jaw. And if you have never seen it before, you probably have and didn't really realize it. But if you haven't, either way, just go look up Habsburg jaw, H-A-B-S-B-U-R-G, jaw. And it will bring up some old-timey, Middle Ages, Renaissance-era oil paintings. And you will see quite clearly what people are talking about when they say the Habsburg jaw. So if you haven't seen it before, um, it's just a very prominent lower jaw and there's an underbite and it's just, it's very distinctive. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're, if you're driving or something right now and you can't look it up, you know, like the cartoonish characters of like the blue bloods who are like, oh, that's astounding. That that face that the cartoon makes is they're, they're drawn with the Habsburg jaw. They're actually making fun of aristocrats as we'll, we'll see in a minute. And here's the thing. We don't want to make fun of anyone that has something like this, but we were just trying to figure out a good way to describe it. It's a prominent lower jaw such that there's even an underbite. Yeah. So, so well, let's take a break real quick and we'll come back and talk about it a little bit more, okay? Yes. Learning stuff with Joshua and Charles. Stuff you All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. 
Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Chuck, so we're back. Um, and we were talking, kind of describing the Habsburg jaw. There's actually a, a medical term for it because the Habsburgs aren't the only ones who have this jaw. Um, and you can have it to varying degrees. But technically, it's called mandibular prognathism. And that is where the, the lower jaw juts really far forward so that you have what, what you would colloquially, colloquially call an underbite, right? But the with the Habsburg jaw in particular, it's to such a degree that the teeth no longer even line up. It's just really sticking out there, this mandibular prognathism. And then what they also figured out is that the Habsburg also had something called mandibular deficiency too, right? Yeah, and that can affect your ability to eat, uh, your ability to speak. Um, and, you know, I, I don't have anything to this degree, but, you know, if you remember from bruxism, I've got a sort of an even bite and my lower jaw sticks out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not Habsburgian. No. But I feel their pain. It, it, with the Habsburg jaw in particular, it's it's pronounced enough to a degree that like the musculoskeletal composition is um, it's it's different. It's it's just yeah. prom, a very prominent um, look, like you said. So um, what they figured out was that because of this and based on some documentary evidence, too, that some Habsburgs, at least, um, I believe Charles II, the ruler of Spain, there's a contemporary account of him from the 18th century um, that basically said, like, his jaw was so uh, out of line, his teeth were so out of line because of this jaw, he couldn't chew. He had to swallow his food whole. Can we just read this? It's so great. Yeah. This is from Spain under Charles II by Alexander Stanhope. That's Doug Stanhope's Uh, grandfather. (laughs) Wait, who's Doug Stanhope? The stand-up comedian. Oh, that's right. Um, And he was speaking about Charles II. He has a ravenous stomach and swallows all he eats whole, for his nether jaw stands so much out that his two rows of teeth cannot meet, to compensate which he has a prodigious wide throat so that a gizzard or liver of a hen passes down whole, and his weak stomach, not being able to digest it, 
he voids in the same manner. <laughs> so he's just pooping out whole chicken yeah. gizzards. Gizzard in, gizzard out. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they, that's the old the old <laughs> statement. So um when people started talking about the Habsburg jaw, like like it's because they figured out over time, like this is a, a real thing and it was very distinct for this family. Um and it became a thing years ago, centuries ago. People were aware of the Habsburg jaw and and, and and just remarked on it. But it wasn't until, I believe, the, the 21st century that people started doing studies on it as best they could. Um, I guess you could say they're kind of made-up studies and that there was no actual genetic um, testing to figure out what, what, you know, accounted for the Habsburg jaw. But they were doing the best they could based on portraiture of, of um, prominent Habsburgs um, and came up with some pretty interesting stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, the... Uh, I mean, do we need a drum roll here to say what's actually going on? I, if you haven't figured it out by now, then sure, we'll give you a drum roll. Uh, Dave, will you put a drum roll in, please? All righty. The Habsburgs like to keep it in the family. And when we say keep it in the family, we mean really keep it in the family. This jaw was a result uh, pretty obviously of inbreeding. Yes, which is not to say that anybody who has mandibular prognathism today uh, is the result of inbreeding. Of course not. Yeah, I mean, it's a recessive trait. And, um, you know, when people that aren't in the same family get together, you know, you're going to have those heterozygous genes and they're going to carry different traits and that's all how it's supposed to work. But if you are in the same family, Mm -hmm. um, that may not be the case if you have homozygous uh, alleles and get together with a family member and make another family member, they're going to have those same traits. Right, right, because the chromosomes are going to be so similar that the chances of both parents having the recessive gene and donating that to the kid uh, really increases the likelihood of that kid having that recessive trait. There's a guy that's quoted in this article. um, He's a geneticist named... This guy's name is great, Montgomery Slatkin. That's a great name. He um, he says that uh, if you uh, are a child of inbreeding, you have uh, your chances are hundreds of thousands of times greater of receiving these recessive traits than of um, children of parents who aren't related in any way. That's right. So that was it. The Habsburgs, they wanted to consolidate power so much so that they just said, you're marrying your sister whether you like it or not. And the the son would say, but Dan. (laughs) And that's it for short stuff, everybody. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. (laughs) 